Well, uh, it's really hard to follow what we've done this morning with a sermon, um, but we're going to try and do that. Does it help if I, if I put these on while I'm preaching? Does that make it a little better? Can you take me seriously, though? That's the only problem. Yeah, I think maybe not. My favorite is the Marys over here. I love to see some of these Marys right here. It's really nice. Great, great. I had a nice view from right over here, so thankful for that. I'm going to put these on the altar right here because they're part of the story. When uh, they showed me the script for what we were going to do, I thought, wow, this is, this is amazing because right at the moment where Mary says yes to God, she says no. And that starts our whole journey. That's, did you notice that this morning? That started our whole journey, right? in that very, very important. And this is a big deal because um, that moment where, G- where Mary says yes to God, to the angel, is sort of pivotal in all of history. The fact that she says yes, may it be. In fact, we, we have a special name for this, and there's lots of works of art that are done on this moment where Mary is saying yes to God. Um, the name of it is, is Mary's fiat, F-I-A-T, okay? So it's not this, not Mary's fiat. Um, The word fiat actually means to be. Uh, So she says, let it be. May it be unto me as you say. Very, very uh, pivotal moment in the history of the world when, when Mary said that to God. Um, and, and so that's what I want to spend a little bit of time thinking about this morning is Mary's fiat when she says to God, yes, may it be as you say. Um, so would you open to Luke chapter 1 verse 26. Luke chapter 1 verse 26. If you need a Bible, raise your hand and we'll hand one to you. Uh, anybody, let's see. Dave will hand a Bible to you if you need one. So raise your hand. It's on page 590 in that particular Bible. And we are going to look at this really important moment in which Mary says yes to God. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Then the angel told her, Do not be afraid, uh, uh, do not be afraid Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary asked the angel, How can this be, since I have not had sexual relations with a man? The angel replied to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month for her who was called childless. For nothing will be impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel left her. 
I want to think a little bit in the time that we have this morning about Mary's response to God and then also about our response to God as we have opportunity uh, to respond to God as well, both for the big things and the small things of life. And so let's take a few moments to, to, to think through Mary and her response. Um, it's a real big deal here that she says yes. And, and, and let's try to imagine what it must have been like for her. What did she expect in that moment? What did Mary expect in her life? Uh, she was probably a, a teenager, um, young. Uh, she lived in the town of Nazareth, which was in the middle of nowhere. She was engaged to Joseph, and we know that Joseph was a carpenter in a small town. We know that he was poor because when later he went to the temple, he brought the offering that the poor two turtle doves that the poor person would give. And we know that he was very pious because he would go to Jerusalem every year and Mary would go every year. And so they were very pious, very poor, and in this faraway place, this town of Nazareth in the middle of nowhere. Now, you're a teenager, you're, you're, you're betrothed, so engaged to this man, and you're living in this little village. What are your expectations of life, right? What are your expectations? You probably already have witnessed your life played out in the generations before you in great detail. And you're thinking to yourself, well, I'm just going to follow that well-worn path, that beaten path. I'm going to be doing what the people who have done, have done before me, and I know exactly what it is. And so it was very much a planned journey, I would imagine, for Mary. It was all planned out. But the angel appears, and everything changes. The angel comes, and she's, she's initially a little bit afraid, and then she calms down. And uh, the angel calms her down, and she hears these words. And, 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 and over and over again, you hear that favored one, this idea that she's favored. And that's, that gives a calming effect on her. In fact, that's the way it is for all of us. When we're listening to the voice of God, to know that in Jesus Christ, we have favor with God available to us is to put us at ease so that we can hear the wonderful words of God, the dynamic words of God in our life. So that's so important, and Mary experiences that, and it has a calming effect on her. And then the angel says that you're going to be with child. Now, um, she says, well, I haven't had sexual relations, and then maybe in the history of the church we've said, well, sexual relations must be bad because Mary didn't have them. But that's not the point at all. The reason that that's called out is because this is a special child who will be both divine and human at the same time. That's the point of the fact that Mary has not had sexual relations yet with a man. Now, in their proper place, sexual relations are a wonderful gift of God. So we just, as we're, as we're unpacking this story, we need to understand that element. The point is that this is a very special child. Uh, and, and, and as if to kind of confirm for Mary that this is all part of God's plan, to kind of bring her into the realm of mystery and, and into the realm of possibility, um, there's this little story about her cousin who is old, much older, in fact, beyond childbearing age, and she's having a child. She's six months pregnant with this child. And it's if to say, it's like, it's like you can tell that Mary's ears are already perked up to the work of God. It's like God is doing something. Nothing is impossible with God. He's, he's on the move, Mary. And so in the middle of that, um, she, she, she comes to this place where she says to the angel, yes, I am servant of God. May it be to me as you said. That's, that's her fiat. That's her yes to God. And such an important uh, moment that 
There are many paintings depicting it. People have tried to imagine what it must have been like for Mary and to give her facial expressions. Um, and then we have this wonderful piece of music that Bach wrote, the Magnificat, which is sort of putting into words and music the, the moment right after when she praises God out of this sense of, of joy uh, and wonder. And that's how it is oftentimes when God moves in our lives. We initially have this great sense of joy and expectancy, this sense of hope. And it's a beautiful thing. We imagine all the good things that will take place. But one question I want to ask us is, do you think Mary understood what she was saying yes to? You think she really understood what she was saying yes to? Do you think she would have said yes had she known? That's the question I want to wrestle with a little bit this morning. Would she have said yes had she known what she was getting into? Imagine with me a little bit uh, what Mary was getting into. Um, a little bit of a thought experiment with Mary. Did she anticipate that Herod would unleash destruction on the children in Israel as a result of the birth of Jesus? Did she anticipate that they would have to run down to Egypt and hide? Did she anticipate that when Jesus was 12, he would get lost in the temple and they would be looking three days, three anxious days. They're on the road back home and they can't find their son. If you ever had that experience of losing a child, it's overwhelming. And, and yet they had three days. Did she know that? Did she know that he would, he would end up in the wilderness for that long stretch of time being tempted by Satan and enduring all kinds of struggle? Did she know that he would say at some point basically that he's homeless, that he has no, nowhere to lay his head. And to be a parent of somebody who is in the midst of homelessness is a struggle. And did, did she know, did she know that she was saying yes to all of this? Did she know that he would be run out of the synagogue? Now, she was a very pious person. And with Joseph, they would go to Jerusalem every year for the festivals. And so she was very pious. Did she know that he was going to be run out of the synagogue. Did she know that he would be falsely accused in Jerusalem and that he would be physically abused and then he would go to the cross and die as an atonement for sin on that cross? Did she know what she was saying yes to? Did Mary know is the question. And if she knew, would she have said yes? Do we know what we're saying yes to when God invades our lives as he does? The living God enters in and speaks through his word, prompting us by his spirit. And we have opportunity to respond, yes or no, may it be or may it not be. little thought experiment here. We've been talking in our series in Hosea, which we just finished, which we've had a great time with. It's been a wonderful series. We've been talking about some of the deep longings that people have and how that motivates people's lives and, and their actions. And so I want to play with that a little bit with Mary. What was the deep longing inside of Mary that caused her to respond in the way that she did. We've been talking about um, certain kinds of longings that we have and how we often go to the wrong place to try to meet them. And sometimes in life we get attached to things that are not God in the hopes that our deep longings will be met and we keep coming up short. And, and, and so what was Mary's deep 
longing. I, w- I wonder what Mary's deep longing was like and, and what we could learn. One of the things that we talked about over this last series is some of the particularly American longings and desires. Um, we talked about comfort a lot. We talked about control a lot and our desire to be in control of the world around us. We, we talked about you know, living selfishly, living, living for self. And it turns out these really are some of uh, the great American idols right now. I've been reading this book called The Complacent Class by Tyler Cohen, and um, he articulates this position with all kinds of information and, and sort of sociological study. Um, people, go, people literally just go outside less than they used to. I mean, that's one of the small ones, but they just, they just, they're they just complacent. People don't do as much stuff. The number of businesses that are started has, has gone way, way down. People are not taking risks to start new ventures. Um, all kinds of uh, sort of sociological data he lines up, and he says basically what's happened in our country is we've said, okay, we've got X and Y and Z, so now let's just rest and protect what we have. And it's creating this mindset of complacency and this lack of wanting to take any risks or do anything that might cause us to be uncomfortable or out of control. In fact, um, let me quote one part of what he says. He says, collectively as a nation, we use this newfound wealth and prestige to dig in, to protect ourselves against risk, and to build and cement a much safer and more static culture. I find that to be an interesting insight into our mental state. And I want to compare that to um, Mary in this moment. Was Mary driven by comfort? Was Mary driven by control? Had she been, I just wonder if she would not have said yes. But what was it that was at the heart of who she is? What was it at the heart of her longings? And if we look back in the scripture, we can see some clues There there in verse 38, I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it be done to me according to your word. And then the angel left her. And if we had time to read through the Magnificat, which happens in the following verses and, and sort of the inner workings of her, we would discover this idea of servanthood over and over again. There are really two things at the core of Mary's decisions process. The one is trust, and the second is service. She trusts God. And she's wanting to serve God. And as a result of those two things at the core of Mary's response, she says, may it be, as you've said, yes. She says yes to God. That's what it is. She says yes to God. This was the overriding desire of Mary's heart. And it was more powerful than self-protection even or whatever else could have been. She didn't know what she was getting into. She was embarking on an unplanned journey, one that was very different from what she anticipated. She didn't know, but she knew who it was that was going to be leading her down this path, and that's what makes all the difference. You see in Mary somebody who has a vibrant relationship with the living God. You see somebody who trusts God, somebody who is willing to go on an unplanned journey with God. And this is the model of Mary for us. She's a person of faith, and she's honored as such. And we, as as people, can look at her example 
and look to the God that she's putting her trust in as we think about saying yes to the opportunities that God gives us. And so this morning, uh, I want to ask you, what is your yes to God right now? What, what is your opportunity to say yes to God right now? Let, let's think about what it could be. I, I came up with a little bit of a list. And um, when we're gathered like this and the Holy Spirit is present, um, I have this strong belief that, that God can be moving and sometimes he can bring a very particular application of the text that we're reading to our specific situation. And so for each person, it might be a little bit different. And maybe it won't be one of the things, this is not an exhaustive list, but maybe it'll suggest some possible ways that you might be in the process of being invited to say yes to God this morning. So let's start with some ones that are very common. Is there someone that you need to forgive this morning? Saying yes to God can be an obedience to the command and the call of God to live as people who are forgivers, people who forgive others. Is there something that you need to stop being anxious about this morning? Jesus taught that we shouldn't worry, um, that God knows the hairs on our heads. And Paul said, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, bring your requests to God. And so um, the call for us, the yes for us this morning might be to lay down our anxiousness. Um, is there a risk that you're being invited into? Something that seems right in all form, the only problem is that it's scary. You're pretty sure that this is something God would want you to do, but you're holding back because you're uncertain about how it's going to turn out. Well, it turns out that walking with this God is often like that. We can't see every in and out of the future. And when we say yes to him, we don't often know what exactly that's going to look like. Is there an opportunity to serve that God is inviting you into that would give you a chance to say yes to him. Is there embracing a more holistic call of God on your life? So often we compartmentalize life. We think of our work life as separate from our family life, as separate from our church life, and we have these different boxes that we put things in. But when we really grasp and we see the disciples, we understand what God is about, what he's doing. He wants us to integrate every element of who we are. It's all ministry. It's all part of what God has intended for us. We're to be like Christ in each and every circumstance that we're in, in our families, in our homes, in our um, workplaces, in church. It's a much more integrated whole. And sometimes we keep things safe by compartmentalizing. And perhaps this morning God is inviting you to see yourself as living on mission in every area of your life. Maybe it's something really simple like, is God inviting you this morning to spend more time with him in prayer? And in reading the scriptures. Who's the first person you want to talk to when you get up in the morning? Facebook or God? He's inviting us to go deep with him, to spend time with him, to make it, the reading of scripture a priority. That we can marinate in, 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 in his plan for the, us and for the world around us. Simply saying 
yes to God this morning. I want to be with you. I want to, I want to do life with you. I want to sit with you in the morning. I want you to be the first voice I hear in the morning when I wake up. Maybe it's living more generously. God is inviting you into that. Maybe you've been blessed and, and God is saying, you know, I'm not blessing you just because of you, because I'm making you a steward of what is ultimately mine. And so I want you to live generously. Or maybe this morning it's something a little bit more towards the beginning of the faith journey. Maybe it's something so small for those in our midst this morning who maybe aren't even sure if we believe like Mary. Maybe it's simply saying yes to God in this way that sort of communicates an openness to God's working or even his possible existence. Maybe we don't know if there's a God, and this morning we're sensing this prompting, this tap on the shoulder to just simply invite God to reveal himself to us. That's oftentimes the beginning of the journey of faith. Lord, God, if you're out there, I don't know, um, would you reveal yourself to me, that, that, that can be a yes to God that's appropriate and right and good and can open up into all kinds of beautiful things happening. Sometimes we don't really feel like Mary. Mary had this great trust, right? Wow, she's ready to just drop everything and, and trust God with everything. Some of us are exploring and our trust quotient is very low because we don't have experience with God. And that's okay. We don't have to be like Mary in all ways. The Bible has all kinds of stories of people who had just a little tiny bit of faith and exerted that faith and God in his graciousness responded to that little bit of faith. Jesus says if you have faith like a mustard seed, which is the tiniest seed, you can move mountains. And then there was that man who said, I love this phrase, he said to Jesus, I believe, help my unbelief. So this morning, if you are in the midst of saying yes, and you don't feel like your yes is very hearty, it's okay. It's okay. You say yes to God with what you have, with the trust and the faith that you have, however small a measure it might be. Because it's not contingent on you. It's contingent on the object of your faith who is trustworthy. That's what Mary knew. She knew it wasn't about what's happening. It's about who is it happening with. And some of us maybe have a little kind of faith, but we, sh- we kind of ought to be like Mary when we look at our lives. We ought to have that monstrous kind of faith because we've seen over months or over years or even over decades, we've seen the faithfulness of God played out in our lives over and over and over again. And we have every reason to step out in great faith and to entrust God with great things and and risky things and big things and wonderful things. But we're holding back in fear. And so God is, this morning, through this story of Mary, inviting us into, to, to cash in on the heritage of our journey with God 
and his, our knowledge of his faithfulness by stepping out in greater faith. And in any of those yeses that I mentioned or anything else that you may be prompted to think about this morning, to cash in on that opportunity to honor God with great faith. Do you know that, that our faith is a way to honor God and his goodness and his greatness? That's what our faith does. Do you lo- if you love the Lord, honor him with your faith. That's a way to express your love. To say, you know what, God, you're so big. I'm going to trust you for X or Y or Z, which clearly I couldn't do in my own strength. But you can. That's, that honors God. That makes much of God. That glorifies God to step out in faith. So... We have opportunity to say yes this morning, like Mary had opportunity to say yes all those many years back. And, of course, our yes isn't the same in its content, but it's the same in its faithfulness. And there's one other thing that is at the core. She says this twice, at least. She says in the verse that we read, I am the Lord's servant. And then later on in the Magnificat, she talks about being the Lord's servant. And this speaks so powerfully to our culture and our world. A culture where people are wanting so much to acquire to self. Well, well, Mary's attitude was to serve, to empty of self. And there's this weird dynamic, this amazing dynamic in God's economy where as we die to self, as we empty of ourselves, we find the greatest fulfillment. And so here we are chasing after fun and control and comfort and all the things that we think will bring us fulfillment and meaning in life. And God says, no, empty yourself. Be my servant. And then you will experience true meaning and purpose in this world, because you will be aligning yourself with my redemptive plan for the world. And there is nothing greater, nothing more important than the work God is doing through Jesus Christ to redeem all things. And the invitation for us is to step into that strain of history, to walk with God, to serve God, And in his wonderful economy, as we empty ourselves of all selfishness, we find real meaning and purpose in life. That's the story of Mary. It wasn't easy, and it won't be easy for us to follow God. There will be moments of great pain and suffering. That moment when Jesus was on the cross, what that must have been like for Mary. But in the end, the way she spent her life was filled with richness and meaning and purpose of the kind that only God can bring. Because it's the creative, redemptive work that God is doing in the world that we participate in.
in front of, what opportunities you've presented to us this morning. And so we clear a space, and, and I'll say the words, but, but what really matters is that we say these words in our heart. Lord, we say yes to you. Not because we know where this journey is leading, but because we know who you are and that you are trustworthy. And so we thank you as we say yes to you. In Jesus' name, amen.